Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, Venture, as we uh, continue to celebrate, to focus on, to look at how God's calling us out into the world, um, every week when we look at the different regions, uh, kind of, I, I don't know, part of me goes, oh yeah, that's my favorite one. Oh, oh, I love that one. And, and then, you know, we go to the next week and I go, oh no, I love what God's doing there. I love the region we're celebrating this week because we get to live here. We get to see it. We get to experience it all the time. And before we dive into the message, I, I wanna just take a minute and just celebrate you and celebrate leaders among you and celebrate those of you who serve in these ways of our partner ministries. I, I was just thinking, and I'm probably gonna miss some in it, but just celebrate when, it, when I think of Healing Grove and the partnership we have there and how they are serving the community. They're serving with medical care. They're serving with advocacy. And we can come alongside on, on a day like Dia de Unidad and, and serve with them. And especially venture in Espanol and Pastor Carlos and the Bible studies that they do over there. I love seeing that ministry happen. I love City Team, who's making a difference for those struggling with addiction, those struggling with homelessness, that we could come this last year and renovate an apartment so mothers who are trying to get off the streets could stay with their children. And it was venture dollars that did it and venture people that went over there and served in it and renovated. To have a mobile food pantry and those of you who go out and you serve seniors in our community who need food. And the opportunities that happen with it. With real options. Those of you who, who come alongside some of the most vulnerable in our community. And, and when, when everybody talks about it, you go, man, women who want to keep their children but don't feel like they have a choice. And that somebody is willing to come and say, hey, we'll love you, we'll care for you, we'll provide for you, we'll walk with you in this time in your life. And to show up for them. And so many of you who spend your time and your effort and your hours serving there. I love City Peace Project, Danny Sanchez and what he's doing of helping young people that you don't have to go into gangs and you don't have to go into violence and you don't have to stay stuck in poverty and the Bible studies he's doing and the opportunities he's had in some of the toughest schools, toughest areas, he shows up there and we get to partner with him in that. I love FCA and Young Life and the, the Kids Club. I, I love what Rigo and Vicky Lopez and our body, they serve the way in that and their willingness to, to step out and use sports and use ministries to be on campuses, to be in lives, to, to run camps where kids come to Christ. I mean, recently, many of you served at the All Comers Camp, a camp for those with special needs so that they could reach out to every kid in our community, leading with the gospel in that. I love Foster the Bay. And those of you who said, hey, we, we wanna help kids get out of the foster system. We wanna see them in homes. We're willing to foster kids ourselves or we're willing to come alongside and be a support family for them. And the sacrifice that you've done in that. I love Boys and Girls Club and the opportunity we had to go renovate one of their clubs this last year. And those who lead the way in it. I love ministries like Contagious with John and Carol Christian who, who are building bridges and relationships with young adults from India who are here, have no other connection. They say, hey, we'll befriend you, we'll help you because we wanna be a bridge in the future. 
I, I love all of these ministries because I get a front row view. You know, my office is right across from Daniel Downey and JC. So I get a front row view all the time of all this stuff that's happening. And, and one of the reasons I love all of these ministries, I get a front row view of watching you, of watching you sacrifice and serve and wanna make a difference in our community. And even though it may feel strange because some of you are clapping for yourself, could we just take a minute and just celebrate the ministries happening in our city, across the Bay Area, the ministries that our fellow venture members are serving and giving to. Can we just take a minute and celebrate what God's doing in our region? Yeah. In fact, I, I just wanna take a minute and just thank God for you and pray that he'd multiply you. The harvest is plenty, the workers are few. Let's pray, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing here in the Bay. We hear the bad news all the time. <laughs> we hear what people are saying about what's happening here. We see things all around us. that can be so discouraging. And yet maybe we're looking at the wrong things. We see what you're doing here. We see the difference you're making here. We, we see lives being changed by the good news. We believe that you love the Bay Area. We believe that you're doing something here that only you can do. And Lord, I, I thank you for venture members. I thank you for the ones who serve. I thank you for the ones who are out there. I thank you for Kids Club over at Leeds and Williams. I thank you for FCA. I thank you for Boys and Girls Club. I thank you for those who are fostering. I thank you for those who are building relationships. I thank you for those who serve on our campus here. I thank you for the opportunity we have through these festivals, through Winter Wonderland and Fall Festival, and those who I saw work every hour of it, serving in a different booth because they wanna reach our neighbors and friends. Lord, I thank you for those who give their time and their money and their effort. And Lord, they don't do it because they want any thanks from the stage. I see so many of them and they never draw attention to themselves because it's not about them. It's about you and it's about reaching others. And so Lord, as we think today of this mission you've called us to, I, I pray, would you continue to stir our hearts to what you've called us to, to what you created us for, to what we get the opportunity to be a part of. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning and next week, I do want to talk a little bit about missions. And I know we've been talking about missions around the world, but I, I want to talk about it in some training because I think we need some training around it. And, and when I say that, may, maybe, I don't know what comes into your mind. Maybe if you're brand new, or if you've been a part of different church, when you hear the word missions, what do you even think? If I told you, hey, we've been in missions month, we kind of immediately go to our place. Oh, okay, that's that time of the month where we come together or time of the year where we come together as a church and we set aside a few weeks and we think about those people, those missionaries who do that thing way over there. And we admire them, we love them, we clap for them, yay. And now we're through with missions month and now let's have church. The word missions, where did missions even come from? That word, missions, a missionary. It actually comes from the Latin. You gotta remember in the early church, often the New Testament was translated in Latin. Latin was how the, the church used it to teach. And, and the word mission 
is actually from the Latin word sent. Sent. In fact, you, you see it, one of the most prominent places you see it is in Jesus' prayer in John 17. John 17 is a great chapter. The whole chapter is a prayer. And it's Jesus' prayer for his church. It's the night before his crucifixion. He's just finished his time in the upper room with his disciples. And then he prays. He prays for them and he prays for us in it. And, and you know, if somebody's praying for you the night before their crucifixion, it's probably a pretty important prayer. And it reveals his heart on so many issues. And, and there's one line in it where he's praying to the Father and he says, as you sent, and here's our word missio in Latin, it would be right here, missio. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He makes this connection as he's praying. He starts out and he says, God, you sent me in the world. I've glorified you. I've done what you've called me to. I brought you great glory. And so then he says, as you sent me, as you sent me on mission, so also I sent them. Now, lest you think, because you might be sitting there going, well, he was talking about the disciples. <laughs> they were sent. A little bit later in the prayer, he says, I'm not just praying this for these hearing this, I'm praying for all disciples that come later. So guess what, we're in the club too. As he was doing that, and look what it teaches through this, Jesus, first of all, was sent on a mission from God. There's a lot about it of, of our theology of understanding even the Trinity, that God the Father in his role in that commissioned and sent Jesus what Jesus uniquely could do as a member of the Trinity to come become the Savior. The, the Father and the Holy Spirit did not serve as Savior. The, the Son was sent on that mission to save. And so as the, the Father sent him, as the Father commissioned him in that, we, we look at that, he's the first missionary in some ways. Now I know there's Jonah and others in the Old Testament. All of them though were based on what Christ was doing from eternity past, by the way. And so he says, as I was sent as the first missionary from the Father, notice this, we are sent like Jesus was sent. The key words for me are as and so. As I was sent, so you are sent. And you put those two together, as so. We were sent like Jesus was sent. N notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, as I was sent from the Father, some of you are gonna be sent into the world to carry this mission. Or as I was sent from the Father, so also you're gonna get a, a really special few people and you'll call them missionaries and you'll send them and they'll go and they'll live places, they'll eat food you'd never wanna eat and they'll do things you wouldn't wanna do and you'll love them and you'll support them and you'll be so happy for them. And, and as so, that's, that's kind of how it works. No, what does he say? He says, as I was sent, so also all of you are sent. All, all who are part of what I'm doing. See, his mission is our mission. His mission is our mission. As I was sent on mission to the world. Now, I'm not saying we can do what he did on mission. He's our savior. He accomplished what no one else could do. But the mission of why he came, the mission of what he's doing, he says, as I was sent, I'm sending you. 
And if you look at it, especially we're gonna walk through what that means. But when we say that, we're talking about being a sent people of God. And so even when you think about missions, it's not that church has missions. See, we have church and they have missions and it's this program we do and it's these people we have and it's these good things that we celebrate. It's not that church has mission. What if we flipped around and said church is mission? What if the design of the people that he sent, the very church itself is a mission? And if anybody should grasp this, it should be people in California. You can go right now. What do you, what do you, can, go, you can go see the Catholic missions. You can go see the mission, the people that were sent to this state years ago. And they were sent to establish what? A mission in that. And so as we think about it and think about being a, a missional church, some have described it the church, it's not just church has a mission, the mission has a church. A missional church sees the mission as its or, originating impulse and its organ, organizing principle that we're on mission. And, and let me just, let me take it down even to a personal level beyond just the church. Because sometimes when we just think about the church, okay, the church is that. As he was sent, you were sent. I mean, on a, on a personal level, when, when you recognize, and, and maybe you've you ever struggled, I think we all hit the struggle, the big questions of life. Why am I here? Does my life matter? Am I just going through the motions? Because everybody on the planet, I think, wrestles with these at some level. And there's these soul level questions you have. And, and you recognize as a Christian, when you come to Christ, this is why I love sharing Jesus with people because he answers all the big questions of life. He fills the parts of your soul that nothing else can fill. All the things that everybody's going for and trying to have and trying to solve in themselves and trying to discover themselves. This is why I love sharing Jesus because he actually satisfies in a way that nothing else can. But let me be honest. Even as Christians, even when Christ has changed our life and he's filled our life, even as Christian, you ever looked up some days and you go, man, what is my life all about? Why am I here? Does this really even matter? And I think in that moment, you know what your soul is telling you? You know what those questions are? You're wondering, am I, am I really about what I was made to do. And I think one of the reasons we struggle with this the most is we were made to go on mission. We were made in the image of God and he's a God who goes on mission. And as he went on mission, he made us to go on mission. And, and when your life misses that, Man, you, you miss what it's about at this personal level. And we start missing what church is about even. I, I, I'm reminded of the, the dog race every year. Have you ever seen the Iditarod? The race where they, the, the teams of dog sleds and the mushers and they go from uh, Anchorage to Nome, Alaska. And you know, they, these teams will do it and they do it over several days, it's brutal. I met a guy once who, who had raced in it. And he said it was absolutely brutal. But, but you look at it and, and this race, it's, it's amazing. You know how it actually started? 
It actually started in 1925. And it wasn't just a race, it, it was a life-saving measure. The kids in Nome, Alaska were dying of diphtheria. And it was before vaccinations for it. And so they, they were able to bring in 300,000 vials of the serum for the cure to Anchorage, but they had to get it to Nome. And so a team of 20 different mushers and 150 different dogs, they took different stages of it. They did the, it's called the great race of mercy. They did it over 127 hours where, where they just, we've got to take this serum to save these kids. This unbelievable race of mercy that they were able to get the life-saving serum for all the kids that needed it and know. And now it's a cool event, but it's just a sporting event. I mean, the whole, whole reason they do the event now, it's not life-saving. There's not that same urgency. There's not that same when, when they bring it across the finish line. I mean, the winner is glad to do it. They go through all the motions. They follow the same track. They race with the dogs, but it's lost some meaning in it. And, and I wonder, does that happen to us as church as well? That, that when we lose sight of what does it mean that we're here? Why are we here? What does it mean that he says, as so? And can we often maybe just go through the motions of life and Christianity and even church? But we've lost the purpose the missional part that he sent us to. Man, I don't want to live that way. And, and, and I'm so thankful that all throughout scripture, I see God, he calls me out of it. And here's, here's why I want you to hear, because a lot of times we can hear this and we can feel the conviction and this thing that I should do. Why does God command us? Why does God send us? Why is God so strong on this? Because guys, he's trying to save us from us. Here's the reality. I can make my mission in life me in a moment's notice. I'm just being honest with you. I can make life about Tim really quick. And so, you know, here's my mission in life. Tim needs to have a good day today. And Tim needs to be happy. And Tim needs to feel successful. And Tim needs to make enough money to feel secure in life. And Tim needs to make sure everybody's doing what Tim wants them to do. And Tim, and I, I, I know you think I'm a little psycho in this, but you're getting this. I, I just, in a moment's notice, I have, have this ability to make the mission of life me. And you know what that's a recipe for? Misery. Because none of us, none of our souls were made so small that we'd ever be satisfied on mission for ourselves. And so God looks at us and says, oh man, do I have something for you? Do I have something that's so much bigger than you? Do I have something that will be so much more satisfying? Do I have something that, man, it will, it will change the way you see life and you, what you do in life and where you serve in life and how you give your life? You get to go on mission with me. Man, isn't that a different way of looking at it? 
See, God loves you and me so much. He goes, man, I don't want you to miss out. But if you don't, get pretty strong about it. And he gets strong about it. You can miss it as quick as I miss it. So I I want us to take the remaining time we have and we're just gonna look at how do we learn how he did it? If as so, then we should probably learn from the greatest missionary of all time. The greatest of all time, the goat. Some of you always wonder, why do you say goat? It stands for greatest of all time. And I'm not talking about Michael Jordan. I'm not talking about Tom Brady. I'm not talking about any sports. I'm talking about Jesus Christ is the greatest missionary of all time. And I'm gonna look through what he did this week. We'll talk about how we can put it in action in different ways. But, but look at this, look at his mission. His mission is real clear. As he came, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the lost. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. He says it that explicitly. And, and the reason he said this is they were asking him, they were like, hey, if you're a religious leader, if you're gonna be a rabbi or a teacher, you need to realize to be a really respected rabbi or teacher, you need to hang around religious people. You need to kind of have your life focused on those who want to do the right thing. And and Jesus looks at him and says, well, okay, let me ask you a question. Who really needs a doctor? Healthy people or sick people? Well, sick people. Who really needs to be found? Those who are here, those who are lost. He said, my mission, I'm looking at life. I I came and I look for and I save people who are lost. Now, what they didn't realize the religious crowd he's talking to included them too. (laughs) It's every single one of us. But he said, that's what I'm purposely looking for. As I think about a church, I was reading an article, it was in the Chicago Tribune a few years ago, but it was about a health club in Chicago. And, and it was a unique club and because it, it targeted people, it was the name of the club was Downsize Fitness. It targeted people, if you wanna join this club, you had to be somebody who wanted to lose at least 50 pounds or more. And the reason they did that, listen, as, as one woman, Tara Lawton, she quit going to her, her regular health club because she said, I, I just never felt like I fit in. And she's honest. She says, I weigh 280 pounds. I know I need to work out. But I'd walk in the club and it just felt like everybody's staring at me going, you don't have your life together. And then she found Downsize Fitness. And they said, oh yeah, yeah, you're perfect. Hey, come on in. We're all, all everybody's trying to lose at least 50 pounds here. And she said, in that community... She's already lost 20 pounds at the time of the article. They went on to write, the people that founded the club, is they looked at it because they studied, they said the industry is often perceived to cater to mostly fit, educated, middle to upper class clients. But according to one fitness expert, most people just don't buy that picture. They know it's not realistic. They don't think they can achieve it. So the fitness industry in one way is its own worst enemy. Unfortunately, many fitness clubs alienate the people who need the most help. Now you look at it and go, oh yeah, they should figure that out as fitness clubs. But one writer said, do churches do the same thing? 
Are we perceived as catering to mostly or only those who are already spiritually fit? Do we welcome the spiritually unfit? People who may feel embarrassed to even come in? Are are we ready to walk beside spiritually unhealthy people as they pursue a path to spiritual growth? Are we willing as a church to go on mission and focus on those who might need it most but often feel most intimidated in the process? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. His mission was that. His message, the good news, the good news. It's always the good news. It's the good news of what Jesus only accomplished. It's the good news that was announced the night he was born. The first thing the angels said were, we have good news for the world. The Savior's here, because that's what you guys need. That's why we've been studying. The whole book of Romans is built on this good news. This good news that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he is Savior, that he is Lord, you're saved. It's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this good news, the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's why Paul says, I never shrink back. I never pull back. I'm never afraid to share it with anybody because I know it's actually how people's lives are changed. And so if I'm gonna go on a life-changing mission, man, I wanna go with something that actually changes lives, that actually saves lives. Can you imagine those mushers going across that race, doing 127 hours and, and taking a serum that didn't even work? Or doing the race to show up because we just want to be nice and sit with you and be nice people with it. No, they went because they knew this will save these children's lives. And we go, we go on this mission because God's been gracious enough to share this good news with us. And we get to share it with the world. And Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom, this good news will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations And then the end will come. I mean, Jesus has declared this will go forward in that. With that as well, we have his mandate then. So here's his command, make disciples. Make disciples. Jesus came to them. This is a verse we celebrate every year. We look at it all the time. All authorities in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. How? Baptizing and teaching. Baptizing, they need to come to Christ. They need to know him to the point that their lives, they've been spiritually baptized and then they're physically baptized as a representation of what Christ has done. And so part of making disciples is you're reaching out to people who don't know Jesus. And then part of making disciples is you're then teaching them how they follow him the rest of their lives. That's why adventure, we, we, we say, if you ask us, man, core mission, we go, man, we wanna help people find and follow Jesus. We want to help people that are far from God, people who feel spiritually unfit, people who feel like, man, they can never do that. People are wondering what is going to fill those places in their life. We go, man, you got to find Jesus. And then we will come alongside him and go, now, as you align your life to him, as you follow him, you experience that. It's the great commission. It's this great mandate. It's this great commandment given to us from God. It's not the great suggestion. It's just, it's not. And, and why? Because Jesus knows. Remember the whole big picture? He says, as I have been sent, now I'm gonna send you. So before I leave, let me give you marching orders one more time. Go, make disciples. This is what your life's about. This is what you wanna experience. 
I, I, I think of that, I don't know if you saw the movie a few years ago, 1917. It's a, based on a true story in World War I of two young soldiers who were giving, given orders that they found out that there's about 1,600 British soldiers who are about to walk into a trap. They thought they were gonna attack and take the high ground. It's actually a trap. The commanding officers looked at these two soldiers and says, look, here's your orders. You gotta cross this country. You gotta cross all lines. You gotta do whatever you can do to get to those soldiers and tell them not to walk into the trap. And by the way, he tells one of the soldiers, your brother is among the 1600. And, and the rest of the movie is just these two guys. And it's, it's shot amazing way. It looks like one continuous shot of all that they're going through to make sure they can get the orders there. Because they've been commanded and there's a purpose. And they actually care. And, and, and sometimes I, I just wonder if it's easy for us to kind of do an Iditarod and do the race and we do the race because we go through the motion of the race and lose sight of, of the life-saving message that we're given. Sometimes I wonder if we kind of do treat it kind of like the great suggestion or, or it's a command for some people. Jesus said, as I was sent, so I send you. And you look at it and we'll spend more time on this next week because I really wanna talk, how do we apply a method as a church? I don't wanna just preach and we feel convicted about it. We're really thinking, how do we strategize about it? If you look at his message method though, first it was incarnational. We're about to celebrate Christmas time. And what do we say? It's the incarnation that God personally was with us. He did ministry with people. John says it this way, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We saw his glory of the one and only full of grace and truth who came from the father. He was sent from the father, but he actually did it among people. He didn't set up shop some way and separate from people tell them he, he did life with them. And when he did that life, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He showed them here is the way of Jesus. Here's the way of life that's so different. And people looked at Jesus and they go, that is different. And even some of the most broken people, the most spiritually unfit people found themselves drawn to him because of the way he did life. And then as they came to him, he said, hey, can I tell you the truth of life? I'm the truth of life. In fact, as you experience this truth, you can experience the life, the abundant life, the eternal life, the life you've always longed for. It's in me. Because he did that incarnationally, life on life ministry. The other part, and we'll talk more about this, he did it strategically as well. He ministered to many, but he focused on the few. If you look at Jesus' ministry, he would do these events. He would do healing. He would have crusades. He'd do these huge things where thousands would show up. But if you look through the course of his ministry, he said, yeah, but these are the few that have the front row seat that I'm really investing in deeply. And he thought very strategically about it. But Paul, when he described his ministry, I love how Paul puts it because he, he really got this mission as much as anybody out there. Paul said, I become all things to all people that by all means I may save some. Now look at the math on this. Three alls for some. 
And what is he saying? He said, I've become all things. In other words, I will adjust my life in any way is needed. I'll become all things. So when I'm with weak people, I'll live like that. When I'm with really strong religious people and they follow these rules, hey, I'll adjust to them. When I'm with people that are from this culture, I'll adjust in a way that I connect. I'll connect to them. I'm willing to sacrifice personally. I'll be all things to all people, not just some people, not just the people I like, not just the people that are like me. So that by all means, I'll try anything. I'm game for anything so that I can be a part of seeing some saved. Man, he gets it. You know, it's easy for me when I start making the mission about Tim. You know what my mantra is? Well, I'll, I'll become some things, if, you know, some things. For some people, some people, some, I mean, God, come on, seriously, some people? So that by some means, I'll, I'll do some things unless it makes me look too weird. Unless it stretches me too much. I'll do some, I'll do some, I'll do some. So that I can, oh crud, the math doesn't add up then. Well, it's all in God's hands. You're gonna save people who you're gonna save. I don't have to get too worried about it. You know what Paul would say to that attitude? I, I, I don't think, because we always think, oh man, he'd come in and he'd, he'd really rough us up. I think he'd look at us and shake his head and go, oh man, I'm so sorry. You've missed it. You've missed the joy. You've missed the, the opportunity. You've missed this exciting mission God's called us to. So no wonder you're struggling with why you're here. No wonder you're frustrated with life. No wonder you have to numb out with as much entertainment as you need to. No wonder you have to turn after thing after thing. No wonder you look for money to solve what money can never solve. No wonder you're doing all that stuff. You were made in the image of a missional God who graciously invited you and me to be a part of. And if I don't want to live that way, then no wonder we struggle so much with what life's all about. Paul would say, hey, come on. Don't miss it. It's the greatest joy in life. So at the end of the day, more than anything else, it comes down to, to one thing. It comes down to love. Jesus' motivation. Why did he come? Love. Why was he sent? Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus so loved us that he laid down his life. Greater love has no end than a man laid down his life for his friend. It all really comes back to, man, what is my motivation for it? And, and when I reduce it down to kind of the have to, okay, yeah, I, I have to, I need to, we should. We should give, we should share, we should go, we should. I'm, I'm reminded back in the 80s, 
there was a commercial campaign for Dunkin' Donuts. Anybody remember Fred the baker? It's this guy, he has a little mustache. And all the time, Fred's having to get up in the middle of the night, time to make the donuts. And he's sleepy all the time. And he kind of has this, ah, time to make the donuts. The world's changed a lot. Dunkin' didn't even go buy donuts anymore. They're just like, we're a coffee company and we kind of serve donuts. But the, the whole campaign was, yeah, these donuts are so important. We want them to be so fresh. What we're doing, <sighs> we need to do this. And sometimes I, I think that's how we approach missions and evangelism and, and all this. It's, it's kind of, even as Christians, we know we should, we know it's important. All right, time for missions month. Yeah, time to, time to sign up and serve. Time to make the donuts. And when I find myself there, I go, oh, what's going on in my heart? Do I love like God loves? Let me ask you, do you, do you love the world? And before you answer too quickly, because you can probably ask everybody on this planet and they go, oh, I love the world. Because we all have this kind of sentimental view of ourselves and the world that we go, yes, of course I love them. Now, when he says he loved, this word love here actually means sacrifice. So where do you sacrifice for the world? Because that, that, that's God's version of love. And remember, he is love. So, so it just, it, it comes out of him. But as he was sent, as he modeled it, so we are sent and we're created in his image and we're called on the same mission. And so maybe there's a core part of our heart and life, especially redeemed in Christ, where we are more loving like God and we'll actually experience it more when we love the way he loved. And so it's not a have to make the donuts. It's, oh God, you love me so much. You're calling me outside of me. You're calling me to love like you do so that I get to experience life like you do. So where, where are you loving? And, and, and here's how it works. As you sacrifice, as you start serving, I, I promise you this, you'll start actually loving people more. You'll actually start loving areas more. I, I've seen it in my own life. That's why I love going across town. When we do all these projects, I love going and painting and being a part not just because I get to serve with you guys, it never fails when I go to Dia de Unidad or when we go serve at the boys club or we go across town. When we do these things, there's a part of me where God uses that to change my heart to actually love the people who live there, who are a part of it because I'm connecting with his mission. Same thing happens when you give, when you give financially. And Jesus said this, he said, where, where your money goes, where your treasure goes, your heart follows. So you just, you, you lock it down. Where your money goes, your heart flows. It happens every time. It's just, that's the way that we're made. Why? Because it's actually a sacrificial act of love. This is why I, I call you this whole thing Faith promise, why we want you to make a commitment, why we want you to pledge. You may look at it and go, well, yeah, we have to have that money for the missionaries. God's got that. You need it. You need your heart to flow to some other areas of the world. You need your heart to flow to some places they may not normally flow. You need your heart to flow to somewhere other than just you. 
And mission calls us to it. And serving calls us to it. And giving actually calls us to it. It works every time. You actually start loving people you didn't love before because your heart goes with it. I'll just give you a personal example in my life. Now, a couple of years ago, the students who were in India with the Axe College and Axe Ministry, it's an unbelievable ministry. It's up in the north. It's really poor, poor area, kids from poor villages. But they have this college there, and so they enable students to be able to get an education, to be able to be discipled, to be pulled out of Hinduism and, and be discipled by Christ. And so they came, the church came a couple of years ago and said, you know, we don't need support right now, but would you be willing to be a prayer partner for a student? And so for a year, Lee and I, we said, oh yeah, we'll take a student. We had a student, we prayed for her faithfully. About a year ago, they came back and they said, hey, we actually need some support now. Would some of you be willing to support financially your student, not just prayer partner? And there was no pressure in it, it was just an ask. So we talked about it. I mean, we, we do other support. We give faith problems other places. So I don't take it lightly with that. But we looked at it and said, yeah, we'll support her. And I'll just be honest. I prayed for her. But my heart changed when I started supporting her. When I look at this young woman, Barty, and to know her mother died about five years ago. Her dad's a laborer, but he was injured. He can't walk. She lives in a little mud hut. Her grandmother helps support. Barty has to take care of all the household, take care of everybody before she can even go to school. They live on about $13 a month. She dreamed of being a medical professional so she could take care of the people in her area. Because I don't know how to describe it. $40 a month, I suddenly saw my heart caring in a way it didn't before. And the only way I can describe it is what Jesus says. Man, where your money goes, your heart actually follows. Guys, we've talked for a month. There's this need in the world. <laughs> but there's a need right here. We need this. We need to give. We need to share. We need to serve. Because it turns us outward on the same mission that our God has always been on. And he invites us into and so unashamedly, I, I challenge you, if you haven't made a faith promise commitment, make one, make one. Get your heart in the game. Get, get connected in a way you won't be connected otherwise. Fit, grab one of the cards, fill it out today. Oh, the, the barcode right on your seat, you can scan it with your phone before you leave today. Scan it, it'll take you right. Make a commitment, go online. Be a part of the game because I promise you, you can ask any of the ones who've made commitments and been a part of it here, what has happened in my heart and life happened in theirs too. Because it's just Jesus' word in action in our life. Maybe you wanna sponsor a student. We actually have more India students and they're just like Barty, by the way. 
You may hear that and you go, India students, man, are they well off? No, no, they're, they're all living, but they all have this dream that they wanna make a difference. And man, I love being a part that I get to come alongside one young woman. And I can honestly tell you today, I love her and I've never met her because Jesus gave me that opportunity. Do you love the world? Not in sentiment, not in idea. In the way that Jesus loved to sacrifice through giving, through all that we do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for Barty. I pray for her today. I pray she's in a Hindu village and Hinduism in her family. I pray that you would just move and continue to draw her. Thank you for those who are loving her and discipling her and the education she's getting today. Lord, I thank you for venture. I thank you for decades. This church has mobilized people, has called people, has been on mission with you. Lord, I pray for each of us in the room today. You know our propensity to make life about ourselves. We wanna go on mission with you. And so I pray, would you convict people? Would people give in a way they've not given before? Would people commit in a way they've not committed before? Would people step forward in a way they've not stepped forward? Not because of the need out there, but because of the need in here, in each of our hearts, to be like you and with you. And we pray this in Christ's name. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.